Coming up today on Abounding Grace. It's important to realize even the philosophy of ministry that we have here at Calvary in relation to when disciple and sin, it's the message that changes lives, not the pastor. It's the word of God that changes lives, not the leadership. It's the word of God that changes lives through the power of his spirit, not man's opinions. The gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful in and of itself. So that means you don't have to be articulate to share the gospel. It doesn't mean you have to be a public speaker to share the gospel. It doesn't mean that you have to have all your ducks in a row to share the gospel. If you simply unleashed John 3:16, the power of God is resonant in that very one verse to change a person's life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's time once again for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor of Calvary Church in Aurora. We talk about a lot of things throughout the day with friends and family, from the weather to our vacation plans or even the movie we saw recently. But Pastor Ed is going to encourage us to develop a passion and excitement for sharing the gospel, the greatest message of all. He'll also give us the tools we need to succeed in this endeavor. So let's turn to Romans chapter 1 and get started my heart here in this section of Romans chapter 1 that we would go because today is the day of good news. Jesus Christ has come and it's not enough just to sit around and be happy that we're saved. Yahoo! We're saved! Yay for me! But wasn't it someone that told you about Jesus Christ? Was it your parents taking you to church as a young child? Was it a friend at work that saw how messed up you were and said, hey, you're messed up? <laughs> And you're like, inside, you're like, you know what? You're right. I mean, I, I don't want anybody really to know that, but since you know it, I, I'll talk to you about it. And through that, so oh, come on out and see Jesus. Come on and hear a message about Jesus. Come on out and here's a Bible and here's a track and everything that we can possibly do to share with them. God loves this world and he sent his only begotten son into this world. And we, you can look at your life as being, you know, the Holy Spirit's dwelling. Jesus is in you. And the only way people are going to see Jesus is by seeing you. And so maybe you can look at your life right now and say, okay, your life is like a window. And they see through your life, and what they see through your life is they see Jesus. Or our windows are so dirty that they don't see anything at all. And you got to get out the, clean all the windows up. And say, okay, Lord, I, I want to have this heart like Paul has. Only the Holy Spirit can do this. I can't give it to you. I mean, I can share testimony. You could sit through testimonies. It could be great encouragement. But you've got to come to the conclusion under the power of the Holy Spirit to say that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel, it says in verse 16, is power. The message itself contains power. There's six different words in the original language for power. This one means inherent power. This one means residing in it naturally. That's the kind of power. It's not a power. It's not some power. It is the power of God that has in it the inherent power to change a life. It's the explosive kind of power. It's the kind of power that once it's unleashed, you don't know what it's going to do, but what it's going to do is going to be powerful. 
And so it's the message itself that we need to carry. This is important to realize as we evangelize. It's important to realize even the philosophy of ministry that we have here at Calvary in relation to when disciple and sin, it's the message that changes lives, not the pastor. It's the word of God that changes lives, not the leadership. It's the word of God that changes lives through the power of his spirit, not man's opinions. The gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful in and of itself. So that means you don't have to be articulate to share the gospel. It doesn't mean you have to be a public speaker to share the gospel. It doesn't mean that you have to have all your ducks in a row to share the gospel. If you simply unleashed John 3.16, the power of God is resonant in that very one verse to change a person's life. Just that one verse. Imagine what you do when you start adding verse upon verse. If you weren't with us the last time we did this, we have purposely made many, many copies for you to pick up of the study that I taught not too long ago entitled, How to Share the Gospel. Combined with our message here today is all the tools that you need in order to go forth and be equipped to share the gospel with anyone and everyone. Besides our evangelism classes that we provide, besides all the tracts that we have out here for free, all the free Bibles, we have, as a fellowship, continue to pray for new and different ways for you to be able to use the tools that we provide to you to share the God, to make it easy for you. Because I'll tell you, the first person you lead to Jesus Christ will so excite you and so energize you and and so encourage you that you will want to see that happen over and over and over again. So get the tools. If you want to, that Bible study, you can download it off the web for free. Or you can pick up the CD after the service. And combined with today's message, we'll be able to equip you so you don't feel so ashamed and so intimidated. Because the gospel message is very, very simple. And all we really need to do is start opening our mouth, huh? <laughs> and just say it. Just get through that big barrier. You know how your palms start sweating and your heart starts beating and you're like, I don't know what to say. Just say something. Look at someone at work and just talk about the things that are going on in their life. Talk about whether they have a relationship with God. If you really want to get the conversation on a spiritual level, just mention the word sin in any sentence. So what do you think about the Broncos? I wonder how many sinners are on that team <laughs> that need the gospel. I mean, you could take anything. And once the word sin is mentioned, then it opens everything and the conversation actually comes to your playing field, you realize. Because now you can begin to talk about spiritual matters. You can begin to talk about, you know, isn't it so discouraging all the junk that we're seeing in TV today? You know, all the movie stars that kids are looking up to, all the rock stars or kids. I mean, it's just this, they're sinful lifestyles. And you begin, because it bums me out. So I think I can have a conversation. It bums me out when I read about this such and such person and these kids doing this because of some song and, and just the depravity of the world today. And, and I think we can relate because I think a lot of people are bummed out by that. And then you can take that and turn it to how God has made a provision for people to get out of the darkness of this world, have the blinders of their eyes fall. I mean, you could take it anywhere. You just got to open your mouth. Once the mouth is open, then the Holy Spirit could even, oh, I don't know what to say, Pastor Ed. I, I've tried sin before and they've clobbered me, man. They've clobbered me and they've just said, I don't want to talk about sin. I don't want to talk about church. I don't want to talk about anything. And, and I've given them a CD and I saw them using it for a Frisbee and they're not just, they're not responding to me. That's all right. Pray the Holy Spirit will give you that word that he wants you to speak because he dwells in you. And we just got to open our mouths, not be ashamed, 
It's important for us to realize this because as we evangelize, we don't need all these great programs. And we don't need a super duper fancy building. We don't need all the, the little tools and the trinkets that we find so often are used. And they're kind of co-opting the church. And the church is forgetting that it's all about the message, not necessarily the methodology. The church is missing sometimes that, that it's not the mechanism that we're supposed to focus on, but it's on the message. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And so we've made it a point in our fellowship here to focus on the word because as the word goes out, it will not return void. And although we may use a drama to draw attention, it has to be followed up with the word. But the whole church service can't be based upon dramas and video clips and all the technology that's out there today because it's beginning to overrun the word. It needs to be the word. Get this. Stick to it. It has to be God's word. Anything else doesn't have the power like God's word. Because there's a lot of technology. You know me. I, I love technology. I love to use it as a tool. I want to use it as a tool. I want to be able to see and harness this next generation and communicate to them in a way that they will understand. I want to be able to spread the net as wide. So I'm not anti-technology whatsoever. I love technology. But there's been this push in the last 20 years, 25 years, to... Turn away from the simple, practical teaching of God's Word to all the trinkets that are out there. I mean, there are seminars you can go to to learn how to use all of these trinkets and things to butter up and to, to make sure that you spruce up everything about Sunday morning. Seminaries are teaching young men that are going out into the ministry, oh, so you want to plant a church. So they take a church planning class, and part of that class, they're being told, this is what you need to do. You need to find a city, you need to do a study of who lives there, and then go door to door, knocking on the doors, asking them, what do you want in a church? And then when they tell you what they want in a church, make sure that the church is exactly what they ask for. But there's a problem with that. There's a big problem. Because if you want to put it in different terms, here's what they're saying. Oh, so you want to plant a church. Why don't you go door to door asking the pagans what they want in a church? And then set up the church in such a way where all the pagans in the neighborhood will be satisfied and comfortable and will come back to your church. And you know, there's a move today to make the church not even feel like church, not even look like church, not even be church. You'd walk in and go, what is this, a movie theater? Did I walk into a movie? Is this the YMCA? Are we just singing campfire songs? I don't think that we should be all that comfortable in church all the time. <laughs> Why we have the chairs, number one. <laughs> No, it's not why we have the chairs. I don't think that there should always be this comfortableness in church. I'm not opposed to technology whatsoever, but I'll tell you, survey the neighborhood. Why don't you pray? Why don't you ask God, God, what kind of church should we be? God, what should we do in our church? And then when he answers that prayer, do what he tells you to do. And there's a new vocabulary developing in the church today because now churches are designed around the seeker. I'm not opposed to the terminology, although even though the Bible says there are none that seek after God, I'm not opposed to the term seeker because I think there's an essence where we can see that there are really people, you might have walked in here today wanting to know about God and technically we could call you a seeker. I don't have a problem with that word. There's another phrase that's being thrown out today describing seekers and that is pre-Christians. <laughs> I'm not opposed. I mean, that's 
Some of you today are going to give your life to Jesus Christ, and right now you're a pre-Christian. I don't have any problem with that. But the Bible says that you're lost. The Bible says that the reason you're in your lost condition is because you're an unbeliever. And the gospel says if you'll believe, you won't be lost anymore. The Bible says that you're blind, and the reason you're blind is because you don't believe. But if you believe, the scales will come off your eyes immediately. You'll become a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. This is at a point where I don't want you to misunderstand me. I realize that God uses different methodologies. I realize that God can use those things in other churches. But God, he's made it very clear what we're to be about. And we're to be about his word, inspired by his Holy Spirit. So if your kids, you know what your kids are doing right now? They're in the Sunday school. You know what they're learning? The word. That's what they're learning. You know, you come to the marriage enrichment night, you know what you're going to get? The word. You come to the cancer support group for prayer, you're going to get the word. When you come out and you're in the men's ministry, you know what you're going to get? The word. You're going to have, because the foundation of your life can't be Ed Taylor's opinion. So we're going to give you the word. The foundation of your life can't be, well, you know, that's what Pastor Ed taught me. No, you need to go to the word. You're going to be pointed to the word. We're going to teach you the word. We're going to encourage you in the word. We're going to commend you to his word. We're going to commend you to his grace. And this is often when people are asked, well, you know, Pastor Ed, why don't you use the screen up here during the message? Why don't you put the Bible verses up there? Because I think it's a great idea. If you put the Bible verses up there, I could track with you. But I have made a conscious decision not to do that. You know why? Because I want you to use your Bibles. I'm not opposed to it. I mean... One of the practical reasons here is not everybody can see it. It's not in a great place. But I don't want to use technology to teach you not to bring your word. You know, I'm often asked, too. I get emails all the time. Pastor Ed, would you please put your notes in the, bio, in the bulletin? Would you put an outline in there? We'll fill in the blanks on your outline, and that way we could track with you. And my answer is, no, I won't. I won't do that because I want to teach you how to take notes of what the Holy Spirit teaches you, not what my notes say. This might surprise you. But there are times when I don't follow my notes. <laughs> Again, I'm not opposed to the little thing. I'm not opposed to it at all. I need tools that you can create that will make it easier for you. But if we just do one generic one, it's not going to be able to help everybody. And I don't want you dependent upon that little note because sometimes I don't even follow my notes. Last Sunday is a perfect example of that. Last Sunday's perfect because half of what I shared in the message last week was nowhere contained in my notes. It started on Saturday, didn't it? Remember? Baseball. And then I get all in the flesh, and I come Sunday morning, and I share my heart with you, which was really good. That's what the Bible says. Confess your sins to one another, and there's a sweetness in that, uh, uh, just an awesomeness. And, and, it, and it changed the whole direction of the place that we were in. And if you were to see my notes, you'd go, that's not what he said. You're right. Because we give room to the Holy Spirit to speak as he wants us to hear. By the way, we had baseball day yesterday, and I sat in my chair the whole day. <laughs> my knuckles were white. No, it was a great day. So the Lord is good. And I don't want to set things up in the church to make you dependent upon the technology, because what if it breaks, which we've had it happen before? You still got the word. Well, what if we don't have the notes? What am I supposed to do? Well, write your own notes of what the Lord speaks to you. What if it's not, what if I put a little thing in there and that's all you're interested in? I got the five words you're supposed to fill me in, but God had 500 words for you to hear and you were only listening for the one I told you to fill in. 
I don't want to interrupt the work of the Holy Spirit here. And again, I'm not opposed to technology, but I don't think we need to be going to pagans to find out what the church looks like. I don't think we need to be doing studies to see what the church should look like. I don't think technology should overrun so that church becomes a big performance instead of you being a little bit uncomfortable. I don't have a problem with that. Just a little bit uncomfortable when we start talking about sin. And it hits you in the heart so that you repent. I don't have a problem with you being a little bit uncomfortable saying, you know what, my, right, my life, my wife is not right. My life is not right. <laughs> it could be that. What rhymes with husband? I don't know. My life is not right, and I need to be right with the Lord, and you do business with God right here in this room before you go back out into the world and not be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? Is that true? You don't have to always be comfortable. You say, oh, Lord, there's a comfort, but the message of the gospel is offensive. Do you like people calling you a sinner? I don't. It's like the last thing I want to hear from your lips, buddy, is I'm a sinner. (laughs) But you know what? When my friend came and told me that, He was 100% correct. And that stirring up that he started by having the boldness to share with me that my life was not right with God was the very path that God had set for me to learn about him and be pricked in his heart, in my heart, by his spirit to repent. And everything has changed since then. I've been born again. And I needed to be born again. And some of you might be in this room and you need to be born again. And I pray that we have the kind of atmosphere in this church where, sure, the gospel's fun, it's funny at times, but it'll also make you very uncomfortable when you realize that your life is not right with God. But then God rushes in in that uncomfortable feeling and he says, I want to bring comfort to you because now your life can be changed and I've made provision for you. You don't have to hide behind addiction anymore because what you're doing is a sin. You don't have to hide behind saying what you're doing right now is just a disease and you don't have any control over it because what you're involved in may not be that disease that the world has created. It's probably sin and there's provision for sin. I mean, when you look at Uh, alcoholism for example and it's just a disease well that sounds very hopeless doesn't it but when the Bible says that drunkenness is a sin and that God has made provision for sin and that you can be delivered from your sin now that's hope that's real hope you mean I, I can be delivered yeah you can be delivered you mean I don't have to be in bondage to this anymore no you don't have to be in bondage to it at all anymore ever by faith in Jesus Christ that's hope And then when you come to that place, you go, well, you know, I'm not ashamed of that gospel either because I can be delivered. You know, I lived my whole life in immorality. I almost wrecked my marriage. You mean there's hope for me? Yeah, there's hope for you. There's forgiveness for me? Oh, oh yeah, there's forgiveness for you. You mean God can restore and repair? Oh, absolutely. That's what God does. He restores and he repairs, and he reconciles, and he changes, and he uses your repentance and your humility, and, and the, the situation has so broken you and so crushed you to the point where you have nothing left but to cry out to God, and God shows up and says, let's start rebuilding. That's the gospel. I call that good news, don't you? It's good news, and may the Lord help us not to be ashamed. A few more things before we leave. If you are note-takers, you can jot these down, because salvation... Salvation has some implications to it. Really has three parts. Past, present, and future. 
And see, I know that people are seeking out the Lord, and, but I don't think we need to dumb down the message. We could talk about heady things in the scriptures, and salvation is certainly one of them. First of all, there's salvation from the past, from the penalty of sin. This is the technical word that you might hear talking with different people, the word justification. Don't be afraid of that word. It simply is a legal term that means that you were made right in the sight of God by faith in his son, Jesus Christ, so that your past sins have been forgiven. You need to grasp this. The past cannot be held against you any longer in Christ Jesus. You hear that? The past cannot be held against you any longer in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? The past cannot be. I'm repeating this because I think for some of you, you're battling right now thinking, no, the past is held against me. Listen, the past cannot be held against you any longer in Christ Jesus. That's salvation. There's a second part, and that's the present salvation. This is the technical theological word, sanctification. And it refers to the ongoing change of your life that's happening even right now. You're sitting under the teaching of the word. You're being changed. You're being sanctified. That word simply means to be set apart, to be cleaned up, to be used for a special purpose, to become more holy. And this isn't a one-time event like justification is. It's not a declaration. It's a process. It's the ongoing work of God making us today more holy. And it takes a lifetime. Amen? A lifetime. But you're changed, aren't you? Every year that goes by, you can look back and say, you know, I grew this year. There's one more little thing that God added in my life this year. I overcame this this year. I took a step of faith this year. I shared the gospel more this year. I stopped disobeying this year. I stopped justifying my sin this year. And you can look back and go, that's sanctification. That's what God is doing in your life. And that's the present work. We're saved from the penalty of sin, justification. We're saved from the power of sin. Because now in sanctification, you can actually say no to sin. You can say, no, I'm not going there anymore. No, I'm not doing that anymore. Why? Because Jesus lives in me now. I'm a new person. Then the third one is the future sense of salvation. And that is being saved from the presence of sin. This is going to happen when we are glorified. And the word here is glorification. This is going to happen when we shed these earthly bodies and we see Jesus face to face. Can you imagine a time when there will be no sin? Wow. Because it seems to be all around us today. But in that glorified state, one day you and I will be in the presence of Jesus. It could be at the rapture. It could be at our transition from this life to the next. But at, the mo at that moment, we'll be made completely right. New bodies, new everything. Woo! It'll be awesome. It'll be great. Are you excited about that? I mean, come on. Oh boy, it's not just the selfish things about our aches and pains, but we're going to see Jesus. He's our hope. Everything that we've hoped for and lived for will be materialized right in front of us. It'll happen in an instant. We'll see the Lord. God is displaying his power in the gospel to this very day. His power. We've been encouraged to boldly share the good news of Jesus as we have opportunity today on Abounding Grace. It's part of Pastor Ed Taylor's series in Romans. And if you missed any portion of today's message, you can simply go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. 
That, too, is available when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed super easy on your mobile devices. Download the free app today by searching for Calvary Church Aurora. Maybe you've noticed God has always been interested in turning unlikely people into a faithful follower, from prostitutes to tax collectors and even normal everyday fishermen. In the book, Jesus Revolution, Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn recall a time when there was a great spiritual awakening. God transformed an unlikely generation, and Pastor Greg and Ellen believe God can do it again. We'd like to send you a copy of Jesus Revolution for your gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call 877-30-GRACE and we can process your order right away. That's 877-30-GRACE. Here at Abounding Grace, we're continually reminded that God is doing a great work through the radio. I wish you could see all the letters and the emails and calls that we receive testifying of that. If you'd like to help us in our endeavor to get the word out all over the world, please visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Simply click on Donate, and you can make a secure donation today. We'll return to Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.